Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Manali, and with me is Nasreen. Hey, Manali, how were your holidays? Warm. Apparently, this whole white Christmas thing is a lie. Yeah, I was almost able to cook my holiday tofurkey outside. Okay, I don't think it was that warm. I really hope you used an oven. I did. I tried deep frying, but was worried about it exploding. Oh, no. I've seen those videos. Don't do that. Wait, but what is a tofurkey? It's a tofu alternative to turkey that many people have during the holidays. Okay, turkey is, like, not that great, so maybe I'll check this out for my next holiday meal. You should! Also, tofurkey and other alternative proteins are better for the environment than eating meat. Wait, really? Intriguing. I must know more. Perfect, because this is episode 18. We meet, again, alternative proteins. What even are alternative proteins? Is this like alternative rock music? Yeah, like Red Hot Chili Peppers is alternative chili peppers. Okay, but did they ever sing about meat? Honestly, they might have. I'll have to think about it and let you know. Okay, I think we're getting off topic. Right, yes. Alternative proteins. This is a wide range of non-meat-based proteins from lab-grown materials like soy, wheat, even mushroom-based protein sources. Wait, so I can get protein from all of these different things? Exactly. And proteins are one of the main food groups that provide fuel to the body and help build body tissue. Some of the main protein sources typically have been meat, fish, egg, and dairy. But certain veggies and legumes like broccoli, chickpeas, peas, and even quinoa contain protein too. So you're telling me that alternate protein already exists in vegetable form? Well, sure. But the amount of protein in something like broccoli is significantly less than what's in a chicken. I see. So in order to get your daily protein requirement, meat is essential. It used to be until alternative proteins came out. Black beans and other legumes have been used to make vegetarian versions of burgers for many years, and more recently, these items have really taken off. Like the Beyond Burger. Exactly. This is a burger made of things like rice, peas, and mung beans. Okay, but what's wrong with regular meat? Well, as the population has been growing, there's been a huge demand for meat and proteins. But animal farming has a huge carbon footprint. Oh yeah, we talked about that in our nutrition episode, since feeding animals require growing a lot of crops, usually corn. Yeah, and it was reported in 2020 that we consumed 574 million metric tons of meat and dairy. Oh my god, think of how much corn it took to feed all those chickens and cows. And it's not just the corn. Around 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions are due to animal agriculture. Oh, that's so bad. Greenhouse gases include carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide. Those are definitely not good for us or the environment. And switching to consuming less meat can lead to a 10 to 14 percent decrease in greenhouse gas emissions. But you said that we already have these black bean burgers and stuff, so why not just eat all these? 
A lot of the problems with non-meat options arise from not providing the same level of nutrition, taste, and texture as the normal meat ones. Okay, so what are the new developments? Well, things like Beyond Burger and Impossible Burgers are made from plants and pack in a lot of proteins and nutritional value. I've tried some of those, and they taste and feel somewhat like meat. So how do they do this? Many of these companies are working on mixing their ingredients together to get as close to a meat taste as possible. Are soy and plants like the only option for this? No, other new technologies include things like cultivated or cultured meat. This is grown in the lab using animal cell cultures instead of having to use an actual animal's body. So we are literally growing meat? Yeah, and this creates a product that has similar sensory and nutritional makeup to traditional meat. This means that we can have similar taste without the need for as much land and corn and water. Yep, much lower emissions and pollution too. And scientists have found ways to replicate the texture and make fake blood. To appease the vampires. I mean, human meat eaters. Yeah, biochemists have found a way to mass-produce heme, an iron-containing molecule that resembles blood. Scientists are so smart. We should all respect them. Yes, they use fancy lab equipment like mass spectrometry and something called texture probes to analyze the smell, taste, and texture of meat. Then they replicate the blood and meat in the lab. Yep, and the fake blood can also be added to the plant-based proteins to get a better texture and taste. So are there other ways to produce proteins too? Yes, there is a fermentation way to get proteins. This typically uses fungi to ferment things like soybeans into tempa. Tempeh. Into tempeh. <laughs> tempa. There's a, there's a musician called Tiny Tempa, and I think he spells oh, it like okay. <laughs> tempeh. I only know fermentation to make beer. Maybe I can just drink my proteins from beer? I don't think that's how this works. I don't know. I'll report back once I try it. Um, Manali's behavior does not reflect the views of the Talk Green to Me podcast and is absolutely not advised. Please get your proteins from other sources. Wow. Rude. No support. Anyway, these materials can expand to more than just food, too. There is a big push in the market for using alternatives uh, for other animal products like leather and wool. I thought synthetic leather already existed. It does, but the stuff is typically made with plastics from fossil fuels, especially those that are cured and cannot be recycled or cannot readily break down into landfill. So they're not the best for the environment either. So what is the new way to make leather? There are a bunch of different companies working on using pineapple, cacti, and even flowers. Ooh, are they spiky? Oh my god, is cactus what those spiky belts are made of? Um, no, unfortunately. Fully plant-based leather doesn't completely exist yet. Dang, okay. Yeah, companies like Deserto and Pinatex combine cacti and pineapple with plastic called PLA and other plastics like polyurethane to get a partially biodegradable product. Partially biodegradable is better than not at all. So I guess we're at least moving in the right direction. So my shoes can be biodegradable partially? Will they fall apart as I walk through bio stuff? No, 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 no. not yet. And probably never, hopefully. 
I don't think we want our shoes to be falling off our feet. Um, yeah, well, that's good, I guess. There are a few brands that already sell things like fully compostable sneakers, but nobody has been able to crack the case of compostable vegan leather shoes just yet. Leather making is heavily polluting. One square meter of leather hide produces over 16,000 liters of water waste, which is full of bad chemicals like chromium from the tanning process. This is especially a problem in developing countries where there's fewer regulations. Companies like Leap are working on making leather using fruits like apples to reduce water usage and carbon dioxide generation by over 80%. Probably smells nice and fruity too. I'd much rather have my purses smell like apples than cows. Similarly, the meat industry is also a major contributor to carbon dioxide emissions, water consumption, and even deforestation. I thought we fixed deforestation. We talked about this in our sustainable forestry episodes. No, Nasreen. Only deforestation due to paper making has been stopped in most of North America, but it's still a big problem from the agricultural standpoint. Oh no, so ancient forests in the Amazon and elsewhere are being decimated to make way for pasture land and feed crops? Exactly. It's been a common misperception in North America that cutting down trees for lumber and papermaking leads to deforestation, but that's not true. Converting forests to land for agriculture is the major culprit. And to combat this, tech companies and biochemists are creating lab-grown veggie alternatives. The veggie alternatives also reduce water consumption by over 90% per kilogram of product compared to beef and reduces land usage by over 93%. All of the crops grown are directly eaten by people, and the animal farming is completely gone, and then there's more adorable baby cows to pet. Perfect. It sounds like there's a lot of good science behind it, but what are people actually doing to help make these things more available? One nonprofit organization is called the Good Food Institute. It has a team of lawyers, lobbyists, and policy experts to help make alternative meats and leathers a reality with science in mind. But what exactly do they do? They try to get government funding for alternative protein research. So scientists like us can keep sciencing for a good cause. Yeah, material scientists like us could do the fake leather part. The people at the Good Food Institute, or GFI, also look at the regulatory path to market and how to safely use these new types of material to help ensure fair public policy in general. So what can consumers like us do? Well, we can reduce our consumption of leather and real meat and choose plant-based alternatives. In fact, people are already doing this, so we must continue the trend upwards. That's right. In fact, we contributed to Nasreen, remember that time we went to a vegan food truck festival? Oh yeah, we helped by eating things. Okay, well, I'm now going to go eat some more things in the spirit of sustainability and the holidays. Join us next time for an interview with Stephanie Downs from the Material Innovation Initiative to discuss alternative proteins and other such endeavors that she's worked on. This episode was written, edited, and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TGTM Podcast, and you can email any questions to talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.